I want you to open your Bible this morning to the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs. And I just want to, um, I normally don't feel any obligation to preach on special days. But I do want to take this opportunity today to talk about um, uh, our wives and our mothers. And also about uh, our marriage and our home. You know, the Bible says, you know, we have Mother's Day and we have Father's Day. Of course, we want everything to be based upon Scripture. So on Mother's Day, we honor our mothers, and on Father's Day, we honor our fathers. But you know what the Bible says? It's one of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that God has given you. It's almost like God says, honor your father and mother, and you'll be blessed with long life in the land that God has given you. For most of us, it is easy to honor our mother. We've been so blessed, many of us, with loving, caring, Mothers who were always there, loved us unconditionally, and we knew that uh, that was a place of safety for us. So it's easy for us to honor our mother. It may be that some of you did not have a good experience in your home when you were growing up. I cannot, I cannot relate to you because I was so blessed. But, you know, even though your relationship with your mother might not have been what it should have been, even though your memories may not be as good as they could have been, you still can honor her as your birth mother. God didn't say honor your mother if she's honorable. It says honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord has given you. You know, that passage over in Proverbs that I ask you to turn to is an absolutely amazing passage on the value and the worth of a godly woman, a godly wife, a godly mother. It's just such an awesome tribute. And uh, occasionally I read this at funeral services of people that I saw all these qualities in their life. Look at verse 10. Listen to what the tribute that God gives to a woman of great valor or value, the Bible says. Who can find a virtuous wife, uh, a a woman of great valor? Who can find a worthy wife? Her worth, verse 10, is far above rubies. You cannot put a price on a woman who is a godly woman, wife, mother. You can't put a price on her. There's no money you could label on it. Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And then in verse 20 it says, She extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. Then down in verse 25, What a description of a woman who fears the Lord. Strength and honor are her clothing. Wow. Strength, 
You think about all the strength you drew from your mother from time to time. And honor. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you exceed them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know, all of us look back upon our lives and we realize whether our mother is still living or is in heaven, the impact and the influence that they had on our lives. You know, I was um, uh, 20 years ago, uh, last, about two weeks ago, uh, my mother went to heaven, Margaret Wolf. She was 83 years old. April the 26th, 1993. And uh, I had the privilege at that service for my mother to read a tribute that uh, I wrote on behalf of myself and on behalf of my five sisters and one brother and my mother's sisters that were still living and her brothers that were still living. It was a tribute. And I, if you'll just let me have a personal privilege as I remember her home going 20 years ago, a few weeks ago, let me read that tribute that I wrote of her and read at her home going. A tribute to a beloved mother. I know there will never be a woman as beautiful as thee. Beauty we saw in your smile, heard in your voice, and felt in your kind words. What beauty. It went a million miles beyond the physical. Beauty that made everyone feel loved, accepted, needed, and wanted. You know, everyone was important to you. You always had enough love to go around. You were always the same. When we knocked on your door... We always knew who and what was waiting on the other side. We could count always on the same loving, caring you. You were truly a remarkable woman. How did you do it? Eleven of us. Let me underscore eleven. Eleven of us. Seven children. Two grandparents. And you and dad in a small three-bedroom, one-bath house. My question is, how does 11 people use one bathroom? (laughs) Somehow, you did all that needed to be done. It was your presence that gave that home such peace. It was you that made it a wonderful place to live. Thank you for never complaining, for being the most loving, unselfish person we have ever known. 
homemaker, somehow that fits you like no one else. Truly, you made our house a home. No one can replace you. We're not sure heaven can contain you. We know you will surely feel at home in heaven. Really, everywhere you went on earth was a little bit of heaven anyway. We'd have loved to have kept you forever. We could not. For 83 wonderful years, we're thankful. We look forward to spending eternity with you in heaven. To be honest, after we have seen Jesus and have fallen at his feet and worshipped him, we're not going to look for Paul or Peter or anyone else. We're going to look for you. You see, other than Jesus, you're the most wonderful person we've ever known. Until then, we will cherish the memories and seek by God's power to share some of your wonderful love with each other and with others God places in our path. To God be the glory for letting you be our mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, sister, and friend. We truly saw Jesus in you. You know, I can honestly say there was not one exaggerating word in that tribute, not one. In fact, words could not describe uh, the absolute presence of Christ in this godly woman. I stand here today as a result of her prayers and of her love for Jesus and committing of me to the Lord before I was ever born. Thank you for letting me share that tribute. And I know you would love to stand and share the same tribute for the mother that God has gave you has given you and continues to influence you. I want to speak to you this morning just briefly. You said, Brother Fred, do you know what time it is? I do, but it doesn't matter, okay? Never has bothered me. I just want to speak to you briefly about um, love conditioning. You know, we all know the importance of air conditioning. I don't have to tell you in Mobile, you've got to have air conditioning. If not, you just, uh, you, you just, it's just rough. I, I mean, I know you can live without it, but it's not easy, I'll say that. I remember when uh, Ann and I were uh, just real young. It was 1964, so you can tell me how long that was. We had been married a few years. We got married in 56, and we had two sons, Mark and Jeff. And we had a nice little church in, right outside our hometown of Rock Hill church that ran about 200 great people, sweet people, loving people. Now, we had a parsonage right next door to the church. I didn't know how bad that could be, but it wasn't really bad. You know what I mean. But it was air-conditioned. That was one good thing. It was air-conditioned. Of course, I'd never had an air-conditioned when I was growing up. We'd growing up in that little house. We didn't have air We had fans. But you know, uh, I had told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you'll open the door for me, I- I'll go to seminary. I'd already graduated from the University of South Carolina. And um, I never dreamed that God would open the door. I told him I'd go to the seminary in Texas. Well, I went out there to the convention in 1964 and preached for a friend. And a church two miles from the door of the seminary came and heard me preach and said they wanted me to be their pastor. I said, you know, I'm all the way in South Carolina. You ain't got the money to move me all the way to Texas. I tried every way I could to talk them out of it. Do you understand? Because I didn't want to leave Rock Hill. I didn't want to leave the 
from being not close to my mother and dad and Ann's folks. Five, I, I didn't want to leave and go to Texas. I just about, But I knew I told God if he'd open the door, I'd go. And he said, if you don't go, I'm going to give you lockjaw. So I decided I'm going to go, okay? <laughs> but let me tell you why I told you that story. We got out there, and it was in June, and it was hot. And the furniture movers had gotten there before we did, and they put all of our furniture in the garage. And so it was our task to move it from the garage in the house. Now, you know, you say, well, Brother Fred, one good thing. Every house in Texas has air conditioning. No, they don't. Oh, no, they don't. You know, that house, I don't know if any of you all know what they are. They're humidifiers. They're big things that put on the window, and they got water in them, and some kind of wheel turns around and blows out mildew and mold. That's exactly what it does. (laughs) That's what was on the windows. And I said to myself, Lord, did I lose my mind somewhere between South Carolina and this place? And, and so we, we, we just lived with the humidifiers. And I really, really missed air conditioning. But praise God, about a year later, there was a church on the other side of town that called me to be their pastor. And the first thing I asked them, have you got an air-conditioned house? <laughs> they said, yes. I said, I feel led of God. You know, air conditioning is important, but love conditioning is more important than air conditioning. You know how it feels when you, ha- you go out of the yard and it's hot and you're sweating. And you go in and the air conditioning's on. The whole atmosphere changes. It's cool. You can sit down, relax. You know, but you know something more important than air conditioning is love conditioning. You see, a house does not become a home until love pervades that house, just like air conditioning cools that house. You know, there's a passage in in, in 1 Corinthians that is impossible to live unless you know Jesus Christ and have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this. Every time I read this, the Lord convicts me again. He said, now, you know this is impossible, don't you? I said, I do know. I said, but it is possible if Jesus Christ lives in my life. And it is possible if he's in control of my life. It is possible if the Holy Spirit is bearing his fruit in my life. How many times have we read 1 Corinthians 13? Now, the word love means many things to many people in the world we live in. And most of the meaning of love that the world uses has nothing to do with the Bible meaning of love. The Bible meaning of love is agape. You desire the highest and the best for the person loved. Now think about that. For God so loved the world, God desires the highest and the best. You say, well, Brother Fred, I love my wife. You desire the highest and the best for her. I love my children. Well, you desire the highest and the best for them. I love my mother. Hey, agape means you love, you desire the highest, the very highest and the very best for the person that you love. Now, listen to the Bible description of love conditioning 
And it's impossible apart from Jesus. Listen to what it says. Verse 4. Love is very patient. And everybody say it. <laughs> you, you're patient sometimes, right? I'm patient sometimes. Any of y'all ever get impatient? Ever get impatient with your wife or your husband? Have you men ever wondered why it takes a woman so long to get dressed? Have you ever tried to figure that out? You can get dressed in five minutes. And 35 minutes later, I'm almost ready. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Love is very patient. And it's kind. Let me ask you this. When there's tension in your house, when there's strife in your house, when there's misunderstanding in your house, when uh, somebody, one person wants this way and you want another way, and when there's a time of, of unrest, let me ask you something. Is kindness, is that the, is love conditioning at work? Love is very patient, and it's kind. It's kind. Kindness. I know what kindness is. It's the opposite of harshness. I know what kindness is. It's the opposite of rude or being ugly. I know what kindness is. Love is very patient. It's kind. Love is not jealous. Wow. Love does not parade itself. In other words, uh, that really basic says love not selfish. Doesn't parade itself. It doesn't go around and say to the wife, boy, you're sure lucky to be married to me. Don't tell me that. I know better. Love does not parade itself. It's not selfish. It's not self-centered. It says here, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It is not arrogant. Love is not arrogant. I've seen people who could strut sitting down. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, they think they're God's gift to creation. I go and work out occasionally over at Planet Fitness. You'll never know it by looking at me, but I do it. And there's one guy that all he does is lift weights and look in the mirror. I'm sick of him looking in the mirror. I'm telling you, that's all he does. They say that's narcissism. I, th I don't know. That sounds like some kind of stomach upset. But, uh, but, but, but that's all he does. He'll lift weights and he'll look and he'll be sure his shirt's real tight, you know. And I got on the loosest shirt I can get on. I don't want anybody to see my body. But it says that love is, is very kind, and it's not arrogant, and it does not parade itself. And he goes on and describes, well, this is one thing that really spoke to my heart about love conditioning. It says, does not behave rudely, is not selfish, does not seek its own, is not provoked, Wow. Now, in some translations, it says it's not easily provoked. I like that better, don't you? <laughs> it says love is not provoked. Put easily in there. Come on. I need help. Love is not provoked. It does. It, love thinks no evil. Now, get this. Th this is love conditioning. This is the agape. It's patient. It's kind. 
It's not jealous. It's not selfish and self-centered. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not seek it on. It's not selfish. It's not provoked. Now, get this one. It thinks no evil. You know what that means? It keeps no record of evil. Love doesn't keep a list. Now, let me just write down everything you ever did that was wrong. See, love doesn't keep a record of evil. I was counseling this couple one time, and this lady brought up about four things that this man had messed up. He had just messed up. And he looked at her with a sense of a sigh in his eyes and said, Look, I've already confessed that, and I've already asked you to forgive me. And said, Now, how long? She said, Just remember this. I have forgiven you, but I don't ever want you to forget it. He said, am I going to have to live with this the rest of my life? She said, you sure are. But she was serious. That's not agape. Love keeps no record of evil. It, uh, it, It rejoices in the truth. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now, you say, well, Brother Fred, that, that, that is great, and that is the ideal, and that is the standard, and it really, really, really is. And the world doesn't know anything about this kind of love. I mean, you read that, and it's absolutely selfless, and it's God-centered and Christ-centered, and it's love that desires the highest and the best for the person loved. Now, I just want to say this. And if you get this and we're through, it's impossible to do that in your own power. Now, I've been married to my wife for 56 years, and I thank God for her. I love her. She's a blessing to me. You know, you know why I'm so thankful for her. When she married me in 1956, she thought she was marrying a coach, a football coach, and a basketball coach. And she had a rude awakening a year later that she was going to be married to a preacher. And she has for 55 years. Lord, have mercy on her, please. That is not easy. When she was basically, she's shy. Basically, she, she knows people. She's very, but boy, I mean, that's the last thing she wanted to be was a preacher's wife. But she's made it for 55 years. And I want to say this, I couldn't have made it without her. Amen. And I thank God for her and I love her. But listen. This kind of love is only possible by the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. To to, to, to forgive and to be kind and not to keep a record of evil. You you can't do that in the flesh. You don't even want to do that in the flesh. It is fleshly impossible. You can only love with the love of God. You can only love with the love of Christ by the presence of Jesus in your life. The Bible says, and the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in control of our life, when Jesus is Lord of our life, and the Holy Spirit is in control of our life, and the Holy Spirit is producing His fruit in our life, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Now, that, the love the Holy Spirit produces is kind. It's not rude. It's not jealous. It's not selfish doesn't keep account of evil look you got to understand i look at this i say god i can't i I don't 
It's not, it's not possible for me to walk every day in that kind of love. He said, I know that, but I never created you to be independent. I never created you to be self-sufficient. I created you to be absolutely dependent on me. And the only way you can love with the love of God is to have Jesus Christ living in your heart and in your life. Does that mean sometimes you'll never mess up? No. But it means that the pattern of your life, the pattern of your life with Jesus living in you and on the throne of your heart, the pattern of your life will be that kind of love. And you can love that way. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And you know what verses come after that? It's all about relationships. You go read Ephesians 5. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on and says, well, speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. And then he says it. He just talked about being filled with the Spirit and worshiping God. And then he says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wow. See, the Holy Spirit does give us joy and peace. And the Holy Spirit does produce that. But I, I tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He enables us to submit to each other in the fear of God. And then you know what he goes on and talks about in Ephesians 5? Wives submitting to your husbands. Husbands loving your wives. And it talks about relationship. But I'm going to tell you something. You can go over there and try to live the verses, but if you miss 518, you're never going to do it. It says, be filled with the Spirit, and then husband love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wife, follow the leadership, spiritual leadership of your husband. See, it's all flowing out of being filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus said, without me, you can do what? You know what nothing is? It's nothing. It's nothing. You can't love your wife the way you ought to. You can't love your husband the way you ought to. You can't love your children the way you should. It is humanly impossible to live in 1 Corinthians 13 unless every day, every day, Jesus is the Lord of your life. And every day you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And in absolute dependence upon Jesus who lives in you, you say, Lord, today, love my wife through me. Today, love my husband through me. Today, love my children through me. I want this house to be love conditioned. I'm thank you for the air conditioning, but I want, Lord, more than air conditioning. I want love conditioning. And by the way, God's love is unconditional. Well, I tell you, Brother Fred, when my wife does what I want her to do, I really love her. Big deal. When my husband does everything I want him to do, I really... Come on. Is your love performance-based? Does your love depend on how your husband or wife perform? Does, does your love for your children depend on how they perform? Or do you just love them unconditionally? Love conditioning is 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love of God, and it's unconditional. And that's when a house becomes a home. Instead of being a war zone, it becomes a peace zone. Instead of 
speaking loudly to another, harshly, you speak kindly to another, saturated with the love of Christ. It's wonderful on a day like this to celebrate and honor our mothers. Thank God. But you know, we've got to live. When we leave here and go home, close the doors. But you know, I want your house to be a home. And I want your house not only to have air conditioning, but it is my prayer that my house and your house will have love conditioning. And that love will prevail. That we'll just love each other with the love of Christ. And that's why Jesus came, so that we could love, not only love God. Hey, by the way, you know what the great commandment is? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor, your family, as yourself.